this wave of emotions has been tough to take. Heartbreak in week one. You beat the Cowboys later on. You get embarrassed by the Patriots. One and seven on the year. Then you win three in a row. You lose to the 0-11 Bengals. Not easy to get a handle on this team. But let's talk about it on the Brandon Contis Jess podcast right now. Contis. I am a Contis. You better like me. I'm from Patchogue. Alrighty, nice job with the free music as always, YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contis Jets Podcast on SB Nation. Episode 21 of my first ever sports podcast where we keep it simple, we keep it short, never more than 20 minutes. If I have more to say, I just put it in another podcast. But the Jets had to beat the Bengals. They had to beat the Bengals. They had to beat the Dolphins. They had to extend their winning streak to five. They had to be six and seven going into next week's Thursday night game against the Ravens in Baltimore. After beating the Giants, after beating the Redskins and the Raiders, anything less than five wins in a row was going to be a major disappointment for the New York Jets. But then in they go to Cincinnati. The offensive line was terrible. The special teams were terrible. The coaching was even worse. Adam Gase, an offensive genius, managed to outsmart himself. So give him credit for that. Because he had all week to prepare for the worst team in football, the 0-11 Cincinnati Bengals. He had all week to prepare for the worst run defense in football, giving up about 170 yards per contest on the ground. He had all week to game plan for a way to get Le'Veon Bell involved in this offense, to take advantage of the Bengals' deficiencies. But instead, Gase says, nope, I know the Bengals can't stop the run. I know we're wasting a Pro Bowl running back. I know it would be easy to win the game by running the ball. I know the one thing on defense that the Cincinnati Bengals can be really good at is rushing the passer, but we're still going to air it out. We're going to ignore all that, and we're going to throw the ball 50 times. The concept of being a good head coach in any sport is simple. Now, not every head coach can do this, but to be a good head coach, to be a great head coach, you have to play to your team's strengths, and you have to exploit the opposition's weakness. Gase only plays to what he specifically is comfortable with, and that is incredibly disconcerting as a Jets fan, that he has a specific game plan that he's comfortable with, and he's going to ignore the weaknesses of the other team, he's going to ignore the talent that he has on this roster, and he's going to only focus on what he's comfortable with. And forcing a roster to fit into your system, as opposed to playing to their strength, as opposed to coaching to your team's strength, as opposed to coaching to the talent that you have on your team, is a brutal job by this head coach. I want a head coach that can make adjustments. I want a coach that exploits the other team's weakness. Adam Gase exploited the Jets' weaknesses on Sunday. And we've mentioned this before. Bill Parcells coached to the talent that he had. Bill Belichick coaches to the talent that he has. There are times that the Patriots are a great defensive team. There are times that the Patriots are a great offensive team. But he coaches that team based on the talent that he has. And on Sunday... Adam Gase did a better job of exploiting the Jets' weaknesses than he did exploiting the Cincinnati Bengals' weaknesses. And that's coming from an 0-11 team. The Jets played undisciplined, and that falls as an indictment on the head coach. The Bengals played like a veteran group. The Jets came out flat against the 0-11 Bengals. They could say that they didn't, but they did. It was clear that they came out flat, and they came out with an awful game plan. The offensive line was brutal for the Jets. We know that they have one of the worst offensive lines in football, So why not try to run the ball more? Why let Carlos Dunlap just walk into the backfield at will and sack and hit Sam Darnold consistently? Carlos Dunlap was manhandling the Jets' offensive line. He was destroying the Jets' passing game. Yet Gase was still focused on just throwing the ball. 
It was almost like we were watching a different game. It was almost like he was ignoring the fact that the Jets' offensive line could not protect Sam Darnold in their passing attack. Seven penalties from the O-line, and egregious ones. That hold on Beecham led to a safety. A hold on Tom Compton wiped away a big run on third and 14. Both of them in the second half, both of them blatant holds, and Compton's especially came on maybe Bell's best run of the year. The, the, the hole was already there for Bell. Bell found his opening. There was no need for Compton to hold on that play. All he needed was a little push, and instead he went for uh, like a, a takeout dive at the knees of the defender. And I can't imagine that's what the Jets are teaching. But with with Adam Gase at the helm, I guess you you never know. But Gase might wind up being able to help Sam Darnold because Darnold has improved this year. I, I don't think there's any question about that. And I actually thought Darnold was not the reason for the Jets' offensive struggles on Sunday. I thought he played kind of well on Sunday, considering especially how bad the offensive line was and the fact that Adam Gase refused to run the ball. Ten rushes for Le'Veon Bell against the worst run defense in football. It's just it's mind-boggling to think about. But Darnold was impressive under pressure. He showed a good ability to give up on dead plays. The team scored six points. They never made it into the red zone, which is an amazing statistic in this day and age. But I, I didn't think it was, I didn't really think it was because of Sam Darnold at all. So yeah, Sam Darnold is improving this year. And part of it, maybe a lot of it, is just the natural progression of an intelligent, talented, young 22-year-old quarterback in this league that has the type of potential to be a franchise quarterback. But I'm not going to discount the fact that Maybe Adam Gase has helped him, because may maybe he has. Maybe Adam Gase has been good for Sam Darnold. Maybe they do work well together. I, I'm not saying that Gase hasn't potentially been helpful to Sam Darnold and might not potentially be good for Sam Darnold in the future as well, but I'm saying that Adam Gase is an awful head coach. The first head coach for the Jets since Richie Kotite to not have a winning season in his first year with the team. The first team to ever lose to two 0-7 teams or worse in the same season. No team has ever done that. The Jets lost to the 0-7 Dolphins and then the 0-11 Bengals. Literally a historic moment. Literally a historic low for the New York Jets. 54 pass calls, 15 run calls against the worst defense in the NFL. Inexcusable for an offensive genius. 62 yards on 17 rushes against the worst run defense in the NFL. Inexcusable. For an offensive genius. Le'Veon Bell has not rushed for more than 70 yards once this season, but he did it 35 times in 74 games for the Steelers. He's averaging 19 touches a game for the Jets compared to 26 with Pittsburgh. He's averaging 3.2 yards per carry compared to 4.4 with Pittsburgh. Inexcusable for an offensive genius. And one thing that also doesn't look really good for Adam Gase right now is Ryan Tannehill having the best season of his career in a new offense with a new coordinator and a new head coach. Gase couldn't get this type of production out of Tannehill. He couldn't get Tannehill to play the way he's playing for the Titans when they were together with Miami. And now the Titans are going to have a decision to make as to whether or not this is actually what Ryan Tannehill is going forward, showing that he can be a winning quarterback, or is this something that's not going to last and just a hot streak for him? But Ryan Tannehill is 31 years old, and he's having a great season for the Titans. I, I, don't, I wouldn't be afraid to pay him if I'm Tennessee. Because I, I look at Tannehill as being closer to what Kirk Cousins is as a quarterback than I, I do what, say, Ryan Fitzpatrick is as a quarterback. And he signed a one-year deal with the Titans, who's so going to be a free agent after this year, so you're going to have to pay him a little bit. I, nobody's going to give him a three-year, $90 million deal like Kirk Cousins got with the Vikings. 
But Cousins is a 31-year-old quarterback, a guy that could give you 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns in a season, a guy that could win on a good team, a guy that's not going to carry a team the way Aaron Rodgers does or Russell Wilson does, but a, a guy that he certainly you can win with. He is good enough to win if he's on a good team, and I consider Tannehill to be that same type of quarterback. So if we look at the Vikings as a Super Bowl contending team, when you have a decent quarterback in Kirk Cousins with a team that has a good defense, a team that has a very good running back, a team that has good wide receivers, then Tannehill on a team that has a better defense, has a better offensive line, has maybe the best running back in football, certainly a top five running back in Derrick Henry, then why can't they win with a similar type of quarterback? Tannehill could give you 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns on a, on a good team. He's certainly capable of doing that. So if I don't have to pay him $30 million a year the way the Vikings are paying Kirk Cousins, if, if I could get Tannehill to sign a you know, three-year $60 million deal, sign him for $20 million a year, and then have an extra $10 million to spend to improve this this team elsewhere, then if I'm the Tennessee Titans, maybe you found something with him. Maybe you can win with Tannehill, and you're still probably going to get another five years out of him before his career starts to tail off. So, yeah, I'm a believer in Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee Titans, and you know what? That's a bigger knock on Adam Gase for the fact that he was unable to get this type of reduction out of him with Miami, and he was unable. He got to one playoffs with Tannehill. He was unable to have any sort of consistent winning. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that Tannehill is able to carry a team because he's not. But what I'm saying is if you have a decent team, if you have a good team and Tannehill is your quarterback, you can win with him. Just like the Vikings can win with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. And speaking of veteran quarterbacks, I mentioned going into this game against the Cincinnati Bengals for the Jets. I mentioned being a little bit concerned about it because the Bengals were going back to Andy Dalton as their quarterback. And... For Andy Dalton, this was an opportunity to showcase himself as a potential free agent quarterback because the Bengals are going to move on from Dalton as they should. They're going to be at the top of the draft. This is their opportunity to get younger at the position. This is their opportunity to try to draft and develop a, a potential franchise quarterback, and you move on from Andy Dalton considering the way the, the state of the Bengals are right now. But at the same time, Andy Dalton, what is he, 32 years old? He's still looking at this and saying, I can showcase myself. I can prove to the rest of the league that I should have an opportunity to compete for a starting job on another team in the future. And he went out and, and put forth a, a very solid game in which I, I think the rest of the Bengal team was also a little bit fired up for an opportunity to get a victory because they knew they had a better chance at winning with Andy Dalton under center. And my hope was, from a Jets standpoint, that they would see that Dalton was playing for the Bengals, and they would no longer look at this as a, a, an easy game, that they would look at this now as they're going up against a veteran quarterback. They're going up against a guy that's been to the playoffs multiple times, and it would take away the possibility of this being a trap game. But I, I have no doubt that the Jets were still overlooking this 0-11 team, especially since they already lost to the 0-7 Dolphins. They said, how can we do that twice? But they did it twice. And then to add injury to insult, the Jets got banged up in this game. And Arthur Mollette, who we were raving about last week, he got hurt twice in this game. Early on, he was limping around and looked improbable to come back. He did come right back, and then he gets hurt again. Now he's likely out with what they're calling a calf injury. I thought it was an ankle injury during the game. Uh, they're calling it a calf injury, though. They're calling it week to week, but he did not practice Wednesday. So I would guess he's likely out for Sunday. 
And then, of course, you got Jamal Adams, the bigger injury, the more important injury, the sprained ankle early in this game. He shouldn't have stayed in the game. He did. He only gets one tackle. He was a liability. There was no reason for him to be out there. You love his toughness. You love his desire to stay on the field. But he probably would have been better off just sitting out. Now he's in a walking boot. Now he's unlikely to play Sunday against the Dolphins. Problem is then it's a quick turnaround for the following week when they play Thursday night in Baltimore against the Ravens. So if he's out this week against the Dolphins and then he's unlikely to be back four days later in Baltimore, now they're probably without Jamal Adams for two weeks. If they're five and nine, if they're four and ten with two weeks to go, does he come back at all? As great as he is, as much as I want Jamal Adams to be a jet for life, it's not inconceivable that we've seen him play his last game with this team because he'll be entering the last year of his rookie deal. He's going to want to get paid. Joe Douglas has major holes to fill on this roster. Does he want to spend a lot of money on one of Mike McCagnon's guys? But that's a, a potential big story that's going to have to play out uh, during the, the offseason, what they do with Jamal Adams on this team. And also with the Bengals game, I don't ever remember seeing a stadium look that empty. There was nobody at that game. And, and with the Bengals being as bad as they are, I, I hope they don't rebrand because you see that a lot of times with bad teams, with bad franchises. And now the Bengals have already gone through down periods with a logo and, and a uniform that looks kind of similar to what they have right now. But I love those jerseys, and I would hate if they just have a, a complete redo or upheaval of their logo and uniform uh, just because they're bad right now. I, I, want, I want those Cincinnati Bengals jerseys to stick around for the in the NFL forever. So I'll certainly root for that. And thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. And as always, big a